Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply conversations between coaches and coaches, between coaches and players, uh, players and players, players and coaches, coaches and players, players and players, players and coaches, coaches and players, coaches and coaches, uh, players and players, players and coaches, coaches and players, players and players, players and coaches, coaches and players, coaches and coaches. That's real. The Parkinson Spiegel Show, afternoons on The Score. It took like three or four coaches and coaches in there in there for me to realize okay this is this is on a loop I got that guy he could say a lot of things and say nothing right there at the end the word salad and that's real that idea that concept that's real makes a comeback in this clip as part of it that, that we're gonna play I mean well anyway as part of what Nagy was doing and talking about it it was it was not pleasant to hear him talk again. Yeah, I, good job uh, by CHGO Without to, a doubt. To, to track him down and do a full-length thing and provide whatever version of closure he's going to give you. I haven't listened to the whole thing yet. I wanted to kind of hear it live in the air. I obviously saw some of the clips going around on social media, but I have not heard the at-length stuff that Tanny's going to play here in a second. More than anything, I was speaking to the personal experience of listening to Matt Nagy talk. That became one of the more unpleasant things that uh, we had to suffer through three times a week, four times a week. The coaches just keep talking, and he got so lost and so confused and was a weird shell of a man by the end. But again, like, again, with all due respect, all due respect, it's going to be the the last time I talk about it. The thing about it was that was jarring for me because you know my stance. We've worked together long enough that I think if football people are speaking into microphones, they're generally speaking lying, and it's Mm. not really worth listening to. Yeah. Nagy actually was refreshing in 2018. He was at the beginning. He came across as like confident and kind of likable and real, and you could see why he'd be relatable and fun. Absolutely. It was kind of transparent. And then by by 2021, you were like, 
Because hmm. he because he failed and he had no answers. Yeah. He failed and he knew he had no answers and he just kept digging deeper into the only thing he knew and tried to make it work and it didn't work. I remember when I talked to y'all when I first got here and I, I, I explained to everybody here <laughs> that this offense, it takes a few years to get going. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, no. Remember, remember 201? No. To, to, like the whole 201 oh, yeah. and the whole thing. There, yeah. there, was, there was just, just so much. And players and coaches and coaches and players. So anyway, we don't have to do that anymore. Now we listen to um, a defensive-minded head coach who speaks in generalities and footballisms. And that'll get old fast enough. And to uh, some of on you. On day one. <laughs> yeah, but, but, here, but here's, here's Matt. I, I mean, from you specifically, because yeah. you really – I don't want to characterize for you. That's okay. Closure or anger. You you were not over Matt Nagy no. for a while this year. Absolutely. Because the shift that Luke Getze made was so obvious. Yeah. And I don't, and it's the same shift that Nick Sirianni made for Jalen Hurts. It is going, and it's it's the kind of thing a head coach should be able to be flexible and adjust to his talent. And Matt never did and never copped to it. And it, it made me angry as I watched other coaches fix things that were very basic. And the, the scramble drill that they never ran, all of that. And you'll hear him, you'll hear him talk about the game that you said, Danny Parkins, was the single worst game plan that you have ever seen a football coach it, prepare. It was insane, that Cleveland game. So let's, let's do this. Let, he, he brings it up. Here's Matt Nagy. To CHGO, so we'll start with how he feels and his evaluation of Justin Fields. I absolutely paid attention to him, and I was so proud of the way that he grew um, this year as a quarterback. A lot of credit to their uh, their coaches, uh, what they did with him, uh, the, the schemes that they put around him, um, and, and just the way that he took onto that. And, and you watch him. Like, again, we were a big part of – drafting him and getting him to Chicago and we were all in with Justin and, and unfortunately didn't get an opportunity to you know to, to uh, see where he could get to and but that's again that's a part of this process that's a part of the NFL those guys in Chicago their, their coaches there have done a phenomenal job of working with him he's one hell of a player he has a very bright future um, in Chicago and I'm just I'm proud of him you know because he's a great kid he cares immensely about the game he loves it he's passionate and he's going to keep growing. You said something about Justin. You, you see in his future him being one of these at some point? Without a doubt. I mean, he's a uh, he's you, you all saw this year what he can do, and he's going to continue to keep growing. Um, what, however you want to say it, whatever part of his game, but to do what he did from his rookie year to this past year, it's only going to get better for him. Um, he is wired the right way. He is. The, the, I got to see him firsthand how he studies. Um, how he practices, his passion for the game. Um, you know, he hates to lose. He's always been that way. But in this game, you know, and I get to see it every day from the, from the best quarterback in the NFL. I get to see it every day this year with Patrick. Okay, what he doesn't get credit enough with. He everybody sees him on the football field, but not enough people here know about how he works from from Monday to Saturday. How he studies, how he prepare, uh, prepares, how he leads men is, is, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's rare. And so, to me, these quarterbacks in this league, when they get that and they click onto that, they're all very talented. But Patrick is just on another level in so many areas, and that's why he is who he is. Do you almost sort of regret putting him out there in, in week three when you look back at it? Well, 
So that situation again, there's so many things that can go on. You know, you know, uh, Andy got hurt, yeah. and we we had a plan through this whole thing. Everybody said, "Hey, you're trying to do the the Alex Smith, uh, Patrick Mahomes deal." They're all different, and we we wanted to make sure that we we handled Justin. We knew that that was our future, and we wanted to handle him and do everything we possibly could to make sure that he succeeded. Scheme, um, how we handle practices, everything, and. There, it's just a, that was a unique situation um, with with our quarterback room. They were all great. They handled it great. But, you know, it, it just didn't go the way we wanted it to. And, again, you just learn from it. Yeah. yeah. I, I just look back at it like I just thought maybe, like, you were under pressure. Like, I got to develop this guy. And my job's on the line. But maybe, like, in retrospect, maybe it wasn't we weren't ready to put him out there and he wasn't ready to do it. Again, these guys are so young, and when they're thrown into it, everybody thinks that it could just happen overnight. Right. They're going to play like they did in college. That's not real. Yeah. Um, and so, as you're when you're a coach and you go through your your offense, your scheme, your players, you want to do everything you possibly can to make it easy for them to succeed, whatever that is. And we learn too as coaches. Yes. And so, you know, you go back to the Cleveland Browns game, yeah. right? It was a, a really, really uh, difficult game. I think there was eight or nine sacks, for, and it's not what we wanted for, for him, for Justin, right? We didn't want it for us. We didn't want it for Justin. The last thing you want is to hurt, is to hurt somebody's confidence, a young quarterback like we did that game. Yeah. No one wants that, you know, for anybody. And so we needed to learn from that and be able to change some things in how we handled him. And But you, you end up running out of time, and, and you also know that, uh, schematically, you know, um, it just was a, it was a, a different situation. Mm, so close to saying it was nine sacks, Matt. It was not eight. It was nine. Was, I remember. I, I he kept getting close to admitting accountability and/or regret, but he didn't really get there. He did make a couple vague allusions to we learn as coaches. We learn. And we learned from that, learned from the Cleveland game. And in general, we learn. So maybe he doesn't want to share that stuff, and he doesn't have to. It's gracious of him to talk that much right there about it and and and, and give the appearance of, of opening up about it. I mean, I guess well, it is. No, no, he's, he's, he's mandated to. Yeah. Uh, to stand there and talk to Bears media that long? Yeah. You, they gotta, everyone's got to go. At the Super Bowl, everyone is in a room, and you're there for an hour. And you just... Some people you just take what comes at and, you. And yeah, some people have de- desks and like are behind like security, like sure. Mahomes and Kelsey and other guys that right. are like special teamers are just like walking around. I know, and, I know, I've been there too. But but, but, I, I, but I'm but, just saying he's got. Yeah, could, he's couldn't, he, take couldn't it. he say? Couldn't he say, man? Uh, thanks, guys. I, I'm here to talk about the Chiefs. Oh yes, I mean sure. I'm just saying the. <laughs> I don't know how many Chiefs questions he Will was getting yeah. he, he, you know what I mean Probably he's he's the passing game coordinator you know they're, they're they're asking Andy Reid I I can't imagine that there were a ton of people like Chiefs beat writers trying to get quotes from him my, my guess is that he he knew if this my, my guess that'd be my guess is that the, he knew if this were a buddy or a family member yeah or a co- close colleague and you're really talking I would push further and say, so what did you learn? All right, you said you learned stuff. What, what did you learn? Can you share that with us? It would, it would be really interesting. And I don't know, and I'm certainly not faulting Mark Carmen and Jarrett Payton and some of the other folks who are, who are no. out there, but, but he's not really going as deep as he could. I agree. And he, 
he pro I don't know if he ever will publicly. He doesn't have uh, to. Um I, I think it would benefit him long term, but that's yeah, my belief about those things. Right, and, and well and, but maybe he also would in a job interview. Right. And not into a microphone and a camera. He just interviewed didn't he interview for the Titans job? Titans offensive coordinator job. Uh he took an interview. But they they just announced somebody. Tim they, Kelly. Tim Kelly. Yeah. Yeah, so they... Which is uh, just an average white, I think. former Yankees second baseman? No, that's Pat Kelly. All right. This just in from Ryan Porth. <laughs> <laughs> no, Tim Kelly was the in-house candidate. Skip it a bobbity. <laughs> yes. Skip it a bobbity. It's skip it a bobbity here with the social furniture. Oh, Eastern Illinois, Chicago Heights guy, Tim Kelly. Skip it a bobbity? Skip it a bobbity? No. Skip it a cavity live. Skip it a cavity. Here with social furniture. <laughs> <laughs> Still in a For anyone confused, that is a Nashville radio host yeah. who is at Radio Row. Who, we're not. We're not there, by the way. Our assistant program director, Ryan Porth, sent the Boomer Esiason clip to and freaked them out. This just in from Ryan Porth. Still in a cavity. Oh, God. Don't you just hate when your armchair doesn't want to talk to you? <laughs> much prefer social furniture. Social furniture is much better. <laughs> Textures, uh, upon hearing Matt Nagy, please stop. <laughs> I couldn't be more annoyed by how he keeps meandering through these thoughts. That's what he does. If there's one thing I don't miss about that guy, it's listening to him talk. Good Lord. Uh, and another one. He still sounds like a peewee football coach talking to the parents. <laughs> All right, well, so there, there is more oh on, on, on regrets. I, okay. I, I, I want to okay, I, I, I see, see if he goes deeper. If, if he goes deeper. And then uh, there's a, there is one thing that I do think Bears fans might have to wrestle with here uh, on the back end. But let, let's hear Matt Nagy and how deep he's willing to go on regrets. Well, there's a few things. And, and I know um, some decisions um, that have in those four years, there's some decisions that I went through um, communication-wise. I think that's the biggest thing. One of my greatest strengths, in my opinion, was re- relationships, open communication, and open honesty with players. And never at any point was I not that, but there was points where I could have been better, and I thought I was good at it, and I wasn't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So for me, I know personal experiences, without getting into details, of how I handle certain situations that I know I can be better at. And I go back to my interview in Chicago, and... Um, I, 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 as you're preparing for everything, you go through, you know, say 100 to 200 questions that you prepare for to answer on how you would handle something, right? And this yeah. is for all young coaches that are going through it that have never been a head coach. And I said how I would handle it, right? But yeah. I never went through that. After four years, I could answer all 100 to 200 questions of how it did, how it was handled, right or wrong. Right. So that's hard. And now I have, I have that in my back pocket, those experiences that I never had in 2018 going into it. And so you're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. Now I know at least what I think. And then I get to see it done by Coach Reed on how he does things. And I'm still learning. So I just keep that in the journal. I keep it going. And uh, every day I'm growing. And, and I think that's to me. Um, the, the met, having the mental fortitude to get through, you know, uh, uh, Chicago the end the final year. When I say that, it didn't go how we wanted. Losing record, um, not easy, but that's a part of it, man. And you got to be able to bounce back. Uh, you know, that sounds like a guy genuinely looking inward and guy who wants to be better. He's always been likable. Yeah, and that that clip then made me feel a little bad about the misery that he went through the final year, what it was hard and everybody was all over him because he's always been a likable guy. Absolutely. He just was a very, a very limited 
football coach and an incredibly stubborn Hungarian man. Yeah. And he would always say, the thing that was infuriating is he would say, you got to bend the scheme to the players. You got to put the players in the best position to win. Just didn't do it. And then he didn't actually know how to do it. And right there he's saying, he's basically admitting, which he has now learned about himself, that he said, well, I got to be super open and we got to have, I got to tell you everything and be honest. And now he realizes he didn't. Yeah. That's heavy. I remember because the, there was the Allen Robinson thing. Yeah, I was trying to think. Was you think it's Allen Robinson? That, that, was, that was the one that, like, if I had. Does that, like, that ring that bell for you? Well, yeah, I, but I've, I've had a, I got a notepad in my phone of, like, if we ever get Matt Nagy on, like, like, like things that are just, like, not closed. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Danny Parkin's talk show prep. I just, I just. That's always, awesome. That's I, just awesome. Always, I always think about stuff like that. And I was, because, because, I mean, Allen Robinson said that he didn't speak to him after a full season right. ended heading into. Free agency. Correct. And like, and then, the, no, it was, it was not free. Oh, it, franchise. It, was, it, it was the year before. Oh, year before. Okay, and, right, and, right. and then, and then that was the year where like, he wasn't as involved in the offense, which was Matt Nagy's last year. And he thought and he was then, getting ghosted out of the offense. And Alan Robinson's camp. He has a very, we'll say talkative agent who like he, so it was like, it's like, what is going on here? What does it? What does it mean? How, mm. What? What? Matt Nagy just isn't speaking to Allen Robinson when his job is on the line, and he's his number one receiver. That doesn't make any sense. Mm. And so something happened there that I'd love to ask Matt Nagy about. <laughs> just to just it. it what, why? How? How yeah. did that possibly happen? Uh-huh. But the other thing that I think is interesting is it's tough to know because people like to spread credit around to like make people look good, right? Like Andy Reid liked to say that. Matt Nagy called plays, so he's amazing. There was just a story yesterday about Mike Kafka interviewing for the Cardinals job, and he was like, I called their ownership group, and I said, Mike Kafka's going to be absolutely amazing. Like, Reed goes to bat for his coaches in, like, legendary fashion. It's like Adam Sandler going to bat for Rob Schneider. Yeah, even if they're not, like, good. this is the most talented guy I've ever had on my staff. And I was like, eh, I don't know. Is he really? Uh, But it's reported that Nagy was a part of the small group in Kansas City that loved Mahomes pre-draft. And then it's also been reported that Nagy pushed very hard for fields. Right. So he might have a good eye for that kind of thing. Might have a good eye for it. And it'll be interesting to see, like, if fields is the dude. Like, if he's the Bears quarterback who gets the second contract and is here for 10 years – how Bears fans will reconcile and age with the idea of Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace were the guys who drafted the savior of the franchise. Well, here's it, it's, just, it's going to be an interesting thing to see evolve and how people feel about that as yep. time goes on. Here's how uh, people are reconciling uh, hearing Matt Nagy now as okay. the textures continue to come in. Here's one. For the love of God, please stop. Here's another one. Um, pretty sure Shane can do a Nagy impression. Another one. Relationships? Dude skipped exit interviews with A-Rob and Mitch. A couple of those texts pointing that yeah. out managing relationships and communications. Here's one. Listening to Matt Nagy is worth is worse than throwing up in your mouth. Oh man. Thank you. I hate Nagy always and forever. So that's how the reconciliation is going with some of the fans. Me, I felt a little bad after hearing a man waffle and wander his way through some inward thoughts that You're uh, a famous empath though. I, I yeah, I, mm-hmm. I I I am I am an empath, but man, it was hard to hear him. It was it it, it, it was hard to hear him struggle up there. And now it's still hard to hear him. Texter. Yeah. 
I also learned don't use your team logo to decorate your weird giant house. <laughs> that, that is a good lesson. <laughs> what did you learn, Matt? <sighs> I learned that as I was failing and it was inevitable that I was going to get fired, it was annoying to come home to a theater room with a movie poster of the bear on the wall. Just because. Having walking through an orange bears. and blue yeah. locker room for some reason <laughs> to get to my theater. Can we get somebody to take this stuff down, please? <laughs> my kids want to have another uh, basketball game in our half-court hoop at our house with a Bears logo on it. <laughs> I can't play, kids. I'm sorry. <laughs> I say don't bring your work home. I oh, made yeah. my home my work. Yeah. It was a mistake. It's a rough choice. That re- it really was. What happened to the wallpaper? What happened to the uh, play design wallpaper, the playbook wallpaper in the basement? It's right up there with Cliff Kingsbury's <laughs> relaxing, you know, bachelor pad. In that it's the exact opposite? Well, yeah, but that is... <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury looks like he's uh, it, uh, like me- an extra in Scarface or something. True. <laughs> in terms of a memorable coach's lair. Oh, Yeah. Is, yeah, the they, they are both memorable. They are both they, memorable they, coaches, Lair, but they are very were, different. I thought you were saying like decorating style was similar. No. Nope, nope. I am familiar with decorating. Kingsbury, Kingsbury's was much cooler. And then there was Belichick's when they did the COVID draft. Yes. And he just had a wooden chair at a kitchen table with a, a laptop table. and a dog. Guarantee he was on the Cape, you know, <laughs> yeah. or like Nantucket, something like that. All right. So. Uh, 2,000 White Sox fans gave public feedback Man. to the organization. Ooh, it's a doozy. Next on the score. Parkinson Spiegel show flashback. 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 I am a little disappointed in White Sox fans. Like you got those fire Tony chants going early. Fire Tony. Yeah. Because you guys do yell some funny things. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of good yelling that's White, going on. White Sox fans yell some funny things during game. We want machines. It's great. We want I want to be friends with that guy. The two-strike intentional walk. <laughs> White Sox fans are funny. I am a die Sox white fan. Tony, what are you doing? Oh, yeah, Tony. Tony, what are you doing? It's so true. <laughs> White Sox fans are funny because a lot of humor comes from pain and bitterness and a chip on your shoulder. Like, honestly, it's a it's a great source of humor. I'm sure you would prefer winning baseball, but it's a it's a funny fan base. It is a funny fan base, um, and it's it's so it's a it's, passionate fan base. It, it is a passionate fan base. It is a uh, snake bitten, especially in their own minds. Fan C- base cynical. You got oh, you got to prove it. Massive chip on the shoulder. Yeah. Um. At, largely as a fan base, um, and has felt like the little brother to the Cubs for a long time. And that really, I'm just talking about the people inside the organization. <laughs> I mean, for the most part, no, but it, it is, and, and there's, there's gotta be something too about like, they think they're miserable now. Just look back, you know, 10 years. Well, or look ahead, maybe 10 years. I mean, that's what makes you think you'll be miserable then. Cause there's been a lot of times where White Sox fans have been like, this is the worst time to be a White Sox fan. Well, but this is, this is a, this is an interesting moment. It's not a good time because so James Fegan of the Athletic, the White Sox beat reporter, got about two thousand people to participate in a White Sox survey, and he notes in the lead paragraph that introduces it, Jerry Reinsdorf got over fifty percent approval in voting in May of twenty twenty. Wow, 
and nearly 85% of voters said they were at least satisfied with Rick Hahn at this time last year. That is remarkable. Because to me, it's not just texters or callers or people in a survey. What The Athletic is doing is they are compiling data sets to compare it to similar previous year data sets. And so, sure, maybe there is some... You know, fan short for fanatic. The mob is fickle. Recency bias that is attached here. I I'm willing to concede or that. Or some even some overall fan base cynicism. That's yeah, part of it. Of course, that that's fine. But the, it's not a small sample, and it's not a blind data point because he's got the data on Jerry Reinsdorf from a couple of years ago, Rick Hahn from from last year. But like so, like with that as the backdrop, mm. what is your opinion of Jerry Reinsdorf? I want change got 72% of the vote, and 23% of the vote is I'm not satisfied. And two years ago, (laughs) May of 2020, (laughs) over 50% approval. And now less than 5% were either he's doing great or I'm satisfied. That's what happens when you waste two years of your theoretical championship window on a vanity project where you bring in an old buddy and try to right a wrong from 40 years ago. Right. That's what happens. So that's that's the Jerry Reinsdorf piece. Then Rick Hahn. What is your opinion of Rick Hahn's job performance? Again, last year, 85% were at least satisfied. Hmm. This year, I'm satisfied. 13%. Man. He's doing great, 0.8%. I'm not satisfied, 54%. I want change, 32%. So we went from last year, satisfied or better, 85%. This year, 86%, I'm not satisfied or I want change. That is a life comes at you fast moment. That's what happens when you hit an offseason with obvious needs, both schematic and in terms of players, and hit the next offseason with the same needs Exact needs after a right. year in your window. You didn't fix anything. So wow. that to me, for owner and general manager, that would to me be the obvious headline here. Uh biggest problem with the White Sox. Well, it, it, yeah. Or, it, the question was where does the biggest organizational weakness lie? Mm-hmm. Ownership was fifty six percent, front office was roughly sixteen percent. Player development was roughly 13%. Do you think that's too low for player development? That struck me as too low. That they have a lot of talented players that it doesn't feel like they maximize their potential when they're already in-house. I think it's a lot harder, a lot easier to be mad at a specific person as opposed to a, a teaching. So when ownership is there, it's easier to say, I'm pissed at Jerry Reinsdorf for not investing the There's money. There's a name. Exactly. There's a name to be mad yeah, at. And so, so play- that'll always skew heavier. And player development is difficult. It is a difficult and complex thing, and it is not linear. Right, because you don't have to develop players if you don't want to. You could pay for them. You could pay for already developed players if your players aren't developed and you have unlimited money. But as we know, the White Sox have unlimited money, and it's not allocated. Hmm. Yeah. Fegan makes the point. They're set up to run a top 10 payroll in the in baseball for the third straight season. So their failure to seriously compete for a championship as of yet cannot be solely attributed to the lack of spending. No, it, it, it cannot. It is the, the roster, and this is why Rick has gotten a progressively rougher ride, much to Shane's dismay, is that 
it, it, is that the roster was constructed in a way that really hamstrung them last year with a bunch of dudes playing left field and right field that had no business playing out there. Yeah. Nine DHs, you know? And so, and now the roster construction is, uh, is, is better, but there's still some issues there. And, and the depth is, is not where it needs to be, which does get addressed at a, a different question later on. So, yeah, R- Rick's approval has gone down, and justifiably so. Yeah, justifiably so. So th- those were my biggest takeaways. First of all, an appreciation for doing it and not just doing it as a blind thing, but doing it consistently year over year. Mm-hmm. And then the stark drop in a recent period of time for Rick and Jerry specifically, and then I thought player development a little low. What about you? So it basically, and, and you've done a, a, a good job there of uh, as, as Fegan of showing what was squandered, the goodwill and the excitement that we have felt on the daily basis slowly get chipped away or be railed at angrily yeah. Um, because people just got progressively angrier and more despondent, and the numbers are, are right there to show you in terms of the survey. Like, they had a real opportunity to own the town and even just to give their fans some bliss, like a great couple of years of busting ass at the top end of your baseball you know, spectrum, and, and it didn't happen. So that, that's the first thing. And then all the pressure is on the manager. Because after they talk about the offseason, there's a couple other things. What did you think of the Pedro Grafal hire? Cautiously optimistic at 66%. There's another 21% that are fully optimistic. So that's 87% who are like, okay, all right, yeah, let's, 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 let's give it a go. And then how much impact are you expecting from Grafal and his coaching staff? There's getting a talented group on track. That's 16%. It's largely on the players to improve is 65.7%. Now that is a lot on the players because to me, it is on Grafol, that talented group back on track. We've talked so much about that. Yes, it's it, it's on the players, but a manager can do a lot. And I and I realize in 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 looking at these numbers and thinking about it that I have to admit to a personal goal here about Pedro Grafol. Okay. I want his effect to be what I perceive that it can be because I do you want managers to matter. I, I, I do believe I, I, I know that managers matter, but I do want another data point to prove that. I know in general that managers matter. I, I know that to my core, but I want another data point to show it. And it would be the inverse of what the last two years have felt like and been. And I am and so many others have said loudly that the manager was such a massive detriment the last two years. And we don't get too much pushback on that, but I really do believe that the manager has been a massive detriment. And I wonder what would have happened if Pedro Grafol was dropped into this group in March of 2020. If they replaced Rick Renteria with Pedro Grafol. Correct. Yeah, I think that that's one of the great sports talk questions. It's an unanswerable question, right? We don't have time travel. And, and, we're, and, and we're not going to get that answer this year or next year because it's not because things have changed. Abreu's gone. Players have been emboldened or decayed or changed or whatever. Yeah, guys have gotten older. Guys have had injury. Guy Dylan Cease has emerged as a Cy Young caliber player, right? Mm-hmm. So there's been a there's been positives and negatives and and all of that. I think that those two things largely on players to improve and it's on Pedro to get a talented group back on track. They are, they are one, you know, like, like the, the manager will get outsized blame and outsized credit in both scenarios, (laughs) you know, and the, the players 
It's why they make, if they're great, 15, 20, 25, 30 million dollars a year, and a baseball manager makes three or four million. And is an or maybe five or six, mm-hmm. and they're extensions of the front office, and that sort of in, in like in a modern game, like the players matter so much more than the managers. But that doesn't mean that the manager doesn't matter at all, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter that a, it doesn't mean that a manager can't sap all of the energy out. So of it. that's a good point. So the sixty-five percent that say it's largely on the players to improve, and the sixteen point seven percent that it's Grafol's responsibility to get the to players get back group on, on track. That's th- that that will be co- that's conversational and anecdotal. And one cannot be true without the other. Yeah, right. Like if, if I if, think that's true. Like right. If if the players play well this year, Pedro Grafal is going to get credit for that. That is just a fact, right? Yeah. Like he he will get credit for culture, for uh, new manager bump, infusion of energy, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. If he doesn't, he will get criticism for not getting the most out of a talented roster that he said is ready to compete now. And the players will, it, it, it maybe will be somewhat softened to him because they'll be like, damn, they weren't good for Tony and they're not good for him. So maybe like the heat on the players will turn up a little bit. Yeah. But it, yeah, the, the, you might feel like you get a little clarification in that regard this year. And I'm, it, what I'm admitting to is my hope that the clarification is managers matter and that these guys are better than what they showed yeah because I, I believe Juan Moncada is better than what he showed well because he's shown stretches of being much better yeah right we, we've seen it from all of these guys we've seen batting champion gold glove caliber center field right I mean Luis Robert last year before the season was like the third favorite to win American League MVP mm. you know what I mean? like, like the, the industry believes yeah. that he can be one of the five most talented players in all of baseball I don't want Yuan Moncada's legacy to be my god that was an MVP caliber talent who got paid and then wow things went away and there were whispers and questions about whether he cared and the commitment yeah. was you, you know you, you don't want that to be somebody's legacy no but I so I just think those things are very linked and one cannot really get credit without the other getting credit, and one cannot get blame without the other getting blamed. And so, but Grafal's in a great spot. He's in a great spot. He's replacing the Hall of Famer that nobody respected. <laughs> oh, you know, you're like, you don't want to follow the legend. You want to follow the guy who follows the legend. Yeah. That is assuming that the legend was great. This is like, I mean, Jerry Reinsdorf's approval rating plummeted largely because of his mm. his uh, how beholden he was to Tony. Yeah, I, I'm realizing there's going to be a lot of levels to it for me, but I'm a I'm I'm a Pedro Grafal fan of a of a high order right now. We'll see we'll see what eventually annoys my baseball sensibilities yeah. from him and what's going to come up and yeah. what we'll see, but. In terms of the guy and the way that he came off and then great stuff on Shane's podcast, Bourbon and a Buddy, that people should check out. These guys that are the best in the world and they drive Mercedes too, man. And there's a reason why they drive them. You know, and and then also I have this personal admitted bias and you could call it a Tony Vendetta or you could call it just a baseball, a, a, a truth that I want confirmed about managers mattering and the process mattering, man. Just imagine if Rick had was able to do the process that he did in 2020, if he was actually able to do the process that he wanted to do and find the guy that he wanted to do and hire him. The, the, the whole thing might have been different. A whole thing might have been different. Yes, it, it's, the ty- it's the type of thing 
that you'll get some answer to. And I think you can have some peace because I can see this is bothering you at some level of like your baseball sensibility of like managers do matter. It's a question of how much. I know. And the last manager had an outsized negative impact, right? That's an abnormal way to sink a baseball team, right? If we say like in the best case scenario, a manager costs you three or four wins downside. And then the best case scenario, they maybe get you three or four extra wins upside. That seemed to be an extreme downside example because what did you call him? The energy vampire? Ener- energy vampire. Yeah. He was an energy vampire like who that came was an in and sucked, sucked it all away from the fans and from a lot of the players, from the chemistry, from all of it. Yeah. So and he, so that was an extreme negative. So, so he's got to be better than what he said. That was it. That is what he said. Texter says, where's my respect for Andre Drummond? Talk Bulls. Oh, we're talking Bulls at 4 o'clock. Might not be exactly how everyone else is talking Bulls uh, these days, though. That's coming up. It's Parker the Spiegel on the score. See Matt Spiegel's son, Ruben, over there. Always having fun here on the show. At 4 o'clock, we will talk some Bulls. That's what he said. <laughs> having a little fun. Always having fun, yeah. Yeah, that's what he said. Uh, yeah, I thought you were making fun of me in the promo from earlier today. Oh. Talk about a lot of other stuff. Your promo today. <laughs> Jeez. Wasn't my best work? No, it wasn't. Uh, I mean, I was driving in. To t- Coming up on Parkins and Spiegel this afternoon on 6-7 of the score. We'll talk to former Chiefs linebacking great Derek Johnson about this Super Bowl and more. What does this sudden Bulls goodness and collective effort really mean? And we'll talk about a whole bunch of other stuff. Hang out with us. Parkins and Spiegel on 6-7 of the score at 2 o'clock. First, we're having a little fun. It's factual. I, I'm driving in to host the show that's being promoted. And he's like, and we'll do some other stuff. Like, I'm not sure that I'd listen to that show. And he's recording on, on his Motorola Razor. Oh, <laughs> man. I was, I, was like, I was like, I am literally doing that show. <laughs> and I don't understand how that's how we're selling there wasn't, the show that I'm coming in to do. There wasn't a lot on the rundown at the time, I don't I, think. I, there, there? there had been some text threads. Yeah. Yeah, we, we had talked. Uh, yeah, we talked. But, we were going to talk Aaron Rodgers. We we're going to talk Andre Drummond, looking like Shaq, but, but <laughs> Matt Nagy. Yeah, I could. Okay, crazy audio from the Super Bowl. Sure. I don't know. I could have done just, better. Just like not. <laughs> we're gonna do some other stuff. I know. All right, I'll do better tomorrow. I know it's fine. I Unless think it'll you be take my, care. It'll of probably it. be my day. Yeah, okay, it'll good. probably be mine. Coming up on Parkins and Spiegel. Low energy person. That's <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of oh, other stuff. God, what is going on here? Uh, but anyway, so what? Uh, what are some of this other stuff? So, this fun we're having. Yes, here's the fun. Uh, took the boys swimming uh, on Sunday. And for the second time, indoor or outdoor? Indoor. Thank you for asking. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, went to a went to a hotel pool. Bought a day pass for a hotel pool. It's a little known fact. You can do that. Fun fact: If you live downtown, check into it. It was really fun. King bleep. Um, it, it wasn't that expensive. It wasn't. It, it was like there's a divvy bike. Well, sure, <laughs> but it's like you want to go to a museum. It was about the same price as going to a museum. So city excursion with the boy. I'm just saying you refer to a divvy bike as king bleep. As king so bleep. it doesn't need to be an expensive thing to get the king bleep designation. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that, that's a good point, though. Thank so you. for the second time we did this, he he likes to play games in the pool. And like, you know, sometimes we have a ball and we'll throw a ball. I know that's that's weird. A lot of people do that. Um, the ball is the ball. And it's the most important thing. <laughs> it really yeah, is. But you let Ruben throw it back. Danny makes Owen crawl back with the ball. Uh, and now he runs back. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. So here's our game. Ruben turns himself into a dart. 
And my job is to push him, float him in the pool as far as I can propel him. So we start at one end of the pool, and I have two hands underneath him, and he tries to make himself as straight and flat as possible. He does the pointy hands on the top. He turns himself into a dart, and I am the dartiste, or the dartist, if you'd rather do it that way. Yeah. And my job is to propel him as far as I can. And so I do that, and he just stays still, and I see how far he can go, and then we mark how far we went, and then we try to beat that record with him improving himself as the dart or me improving my technique as the dartiste. So it's pretty damn fun. Like, I'm trying to send him. <laughs> Try to throw your kid as far as you can throw right. him. Right. And he's a little big now for me to actually pick him up and throw him like you can do with Owen, That's, which he probably loves. Uh, he loves it. Of course he does. So did Ruben. I can't do it anymore. He's His too big. His mom hates it, though. Oh, I know. She walks out, and I'm like, and I, go, and I just go, Owen, what are we doing? Yeah. And he goes, one, two, three. And then I just throw him as far as I can in the right. pool, and she freaks out. So he's a dart, and I'm the dartiste, and I try to yeah. push him as far, and we can go a certain amount. This time, he came up with some upgrades that I could purchase. So he said, would you like an upgrade? There's add-ons. I'm like, what's the upgrade? He's like, at the end of my float, I will bring my arms down and propel myself a little further. That's an upgrade. I oh, see. very nice. And then there's another upgrade. I will kick my feet at the end. So your dart turns into a thing that propels itself a little bit more. So there were a few upgrades like that, which he enjoyed trying to achieve, much like a video game where you can buy an upgrade or something like that, which he is intimately familiar <laughs> with. Yeah, you know? sure. So I think I invented a game. It's kind of fun. The human, the human dart with your kid. The human long toss. You basically invented throwing humans. Uh, <laughs> they... <laughs> I mean, in Wolf but of Wall it, Street, it they talk about doing that with, it's inappropriate how they talk about it, like human bowling and oh, things. Oh, right, like, right, right. Oh, you're right. Yeah, and so I don't know that you invented a game, Well, but, but you have your child's consent. Uh, he's, lo- he's loving it. He's the dart. Right. He's very important. He's absolutely loving it. We're, we're you, bonding, we're connecting, we're playing a game, and he is he is part of the game. When I Sometimes when Owen likes when I, you know, like throw him around or, or whatever, lift him up into the air, and he was like, again, again, I'm like, dude, I'm getting tired. You're getting uh-huh. kind of big for me to like lift you 20 times over over my head, and I'll be like, "All right, my turn." Just to like show him <laughs> that, it's, and that I just, it's difficult, and I just lay on him as dead weight, <laughs> and he's like, "I can't." I'm like, "Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's, it's hard." Yeah. So, did you ever try to make yourself the dart? Uh, and, and yes, and, and flip, and once flip at it around. the end, once at the end, yeah, it did not go well. I would imagine. Yes, it was. Yeah. It, I was a tough matchup for the Rubster. <laughs> I, I believe it. I, I'm a tough matchup for Owen. But pool darts. Pool darts. Pool darts. I, I think that's what it is, or pool hmm. darting. Uh, that's good it's, dadding. Yeah, it, it, it's, it was fun dadding. You know, creating the game, man. That's what, that's what it's all about. Creating the game is good. It, he'll have that memory forever. Theoretically. He'll do it again. And, but then, I mean, he's old enough, man. Is he a good swimmer? Is he a confident He's a real good swimmer, yeah. Yeah, it's like just, you're, you're putting a lot on yourself here. Oh, yeah. Why don't just like... How long can you hold your breath? I'll time you. While I sit in the lounge chair over here. Or you'd be there, and you could be the, like, push off from one end of the pool, see how far you can swim underwater. Absolutely. When you come up, I'll stand here, and now I'm your line. That's good passive dadding. I'm, I'm your line to gain. Yeah. But it also, like, teaches them Without a, a little bit more about swimming. Yeah. There was also, like, a spout at this particular pool that had, like, really cold water coming out of it. So then the game was, how long can you put your head under the spout of cold water? Fair enough. Yeah. Good so, dadding. Yeah, how good you're waterboarding your son? <laughs> good dad, bad dad, I rule good dad. Uh, coming up next, 
I don't know what happened yesterday to some of the commentary and conversation around the Bulls. But as someone who's monitoring this stuff very closely ahead of Thursday's trade deadline, I was triggered while watching that game last night. It's next on The Score. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.